You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 11. Say hello to the friends, Matt. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Hi to the friends, everybody out there, people. Not that easy, is it? I make it look easier than it is. I panicked. <laughs> We're trying to mix things up, trying to keep it loose, trying to keep it organic for our big upcoming live show. Make it. We don't keep things loose around here. We have a th- we have a firmly organized structure which we do not deviate from, and that keeps things fine. Yeah, but you know, I need to seem like I'm not that guy anymore. I won't have my lists in front of me. I won't be in my safe closet with all my stuff. So. You know, I need I need people to think that I'm a I'm a fun guy. It's like when Nixon went on laughing. Like, look at me. I'm a I'm a casual guy. You gonna ask me to sock it to you? No, no. Because I refuse to sock it to you. Oh Adam. come on. We've been no. through we've been through so much together. Won't you just sock it to me? No. Will you answer some Star Trek mail with me? Yes. Alright. That is what it is time for. It is time in this supplemental episode, in this time of Star Trek need. To do a supplemental episode. It's definitely that time. It is. It's about time. We usually answer these between seasons. This should have come after the final uh, episodes of season five. But as we've mentioned, we have that live thing. we got to do some prep. And those two episodes... And we're playing it loose. We are. We are totally loose. So, loosey-goosey it up, Matt. All right. I don't know what that means. I, I don't either. I don't have the mail in front of me. Either, so. that's, that's fine. You're going to have to goose it. No, I, was, I wasn't I was asking you to read the mail. I was asking you to go off format and try to be loose, but uh, oh, you okay. failed me. Well, my bad thing for next week's episode. <laughs> the reason we're not doing this before or after the final two episodes is because we're doing the final two episodes at Emerald City. And I may have mentioned this. It is my secret hope that we can review the episode, um, The Inner Light, where Picard famously plays a flute. Yep. Have Sir Patrick Stewart, who will be in the building, mm-hmm. show up, hand him a flute, and ask him to do a solo. That will never happen for several reasons that I could count right now. But that is my secret hope. I mean, at least we'll have a bunch of people around there who can, you know, tell him. Yeah, but I also I also don't have a flute. We can get a flute. It's a fucking Comic Con. I. You can get swords. Can you get flutes at a Comic-Con? I mean, it might be like a Legend of Zelda flute. I, hey, a flute is a flute, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not one of those stupid pan flutes, right? Uh, not from the Legend of Zelda game I'm thinking of. That's what I'm saying. You know your Zelda. It's just a one, like a one-pipe thing. It's not one of those stupid yeah. multi-pipe, like like a tiny pipe organ for your mouth. No. Stupid pan flutes. It's not until them. the Game Boy games when you actually had to blow into the device. Oh, yeah. That was such a pain in the ass. I was playing that on a bus ride home from Seattle one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, really? Come on, guys. Um, A friend of ours, uh, Jabson, who we haven't talked to for a while, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, was playing one of the Grand Theft Auto games on his yep. his Game Boy. And you have to when you get a cab, you have to whistle for it. Yeah. That is hilarious. That's annoying, and I can't whistle. Mm. Yeah, that's especially annoying. Yeah. Well, hey, I need a cab. Now, now you know the. Uh, now you know the pain of several minorities who also can't get a cab. See, uh, this is the kind of stuff, the non-Star Trek stuff we should be talking about on the other show. But you know what? We're loose. Yep. We're so loose. We might just start talking about Battlestar Galactica. We're not going to do yep. that. Aw. I meant the original. Oh. We could talk about the new one. 
it's you know it was the closest thing we had to Star Trek for a while, and yeah. one of our favorite guys was doing it. But uh, uh, I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember it as being the most depressing television show on TV, which is why I liked it. Yep. Um, but no, let's for the moment talk about Star Trek. However, this question has Hitler in it, so it's a little depressing. Oh, good. And this Wait, that's is not good. This is from someone we've never heard before, which we All love. Right. This uh, uh, Joshua Mo- Mostead. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and he says, Dear Post Atomic Horror, in regards to the legacies of Dukat and Kodos the Executioner and their respective death tolls, I liken them to the legacies of Stalin and Hitler. Sure, Stalin killed more people, but Hitler was more of a dick about it. I'd buy that. This went back to, I believe, the episode Laura was on, where we first saw the Cardassians and we went into yep. a whole thing about Dukat. And um, uh, genocidal tyrants in Star Trek mm-hmm. in general. And he's right, uh, Kodos was probably killed more people but he was you know remorseful yeah but on the other hand Dukat really thought he was doing good yeah I'm sure Hitler thought he was doing good too. I suppose that's true because he was yeah he was trying Nobody thinks to... they're the bad guy in their story uh, I don't know I don't think Stalin you know I think he just killed people I don't think he cared but I, I like don't killing know. people I honestly don't know well and also he's a vampire so uh well we made him a vampire but again other, other show yeah you should listen to the Sarhastic Voyage podcast. It's fantastic. Yeah. Buzz marketing. It has skits. It does. No, it has sketches, Matt. Yes, it has sketches and bits. Skits are apparently a bad thing. Skits are something a whore does for money. <laughs> or candy. <laughs> I, I, I thought this might be a fun, uh, a fun segue into talking about genocide. All right. I'm always open for a conversation like that. Shoot. A fun, light conversation about genocide, uh, particularly as it applies to Star Trek. I know we've had a few, you know, mass murderers. Mm-hmm. I, it might be interesting to compare and contrast them, or it might not. Who knows? Let's let's go find out, won't we? Sure. There was, of course, uh, Kevin. The... Ah, yes, Kevin, who wiped out the, an entire race. Yes. <laughs> so you got Golducott, you got Kodos the Executioner, and you got Kevin. Kevin. Mm-hmm. You got to say it like that. Kevin. Kevin. Not like our friend Flonk, whose name is Kevin, who's just Kevin, but no. Kevin. The executioner. Pra- paraphrase you here. Who the fuck is Kevin? I don't know. He's some guy. The thing is, when you guys do the Armist voice and you make me feel like Dave Seville, I have to call mm-hmm. him Kevin because that's the only way to go. Kevin! That's true. I'm trying to. Who else killed a lot of people? The nice thing about the Star Trek universe is that there's a lot of people in it, so yeah. there's a lot of people to kill. Mm. But I mean, who... That may not actually be a nice thing. <laughs> Dramatically, fictionally, mm-hmm. it's a nice thing. You've created a whole universe where you can just kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. That happens in the books a lot, doesn't it? Where they just decide, we don't want these five planets, let's just... Oh, yeah, especially in the uh, last few years. Mm. Well, they must um, have figured out that the new continuity means they can do whatever the fuck they want. They have indeed. And uh, during the uh, Destiny trilogy, when they were getting rid of the Borg, mm. finally, hopefully forever, um, they killed off a they killed uh, off a ton of you know sort of smaller planets, mm. uh, including I believe Ryza and definitely Pluto. I don't know which I'm sadder about because <laughs> Pluto's sort of home soil. Yeah, don't don't fuck with the soul system, man. Mm-hmm. That's our shit. And they just made it a planet again for the 835th time. <laughs> in the future they did? Yeah. Oh, man. That's, so they, they made it a bit about how it kept being reclassified? or did they? There's just... a joke in there about it going back and forth. <laughs> I assume they just went and threw more dirt on it like the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. Yes, exactly. They just pushed a small moon into it and, oh, now it's a planet. Oh. Yep. 
Of course, Jupiter only has like two moons now, but you know. I like the idea of there being a very small colony on Pluto who's just really mad about that. Yeah. Just fucking pick one, guys. Come on. We don't care which it is. I keep having to change my zip code. Yeah. Pick one. We finally got planet status again. We got a seat in the Federation now. So, oh, never mind. So, do in the books, you are mm-hmm. you are the reigning expert here. Yes. You read a lot of the books. I've only read a, a small selection. When I find an author I like, I read everything he's done, and that yeah. amounts to about three authors at this point. <laughs> But you, like being the canary in the coal mine, you will just go read them all. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Well, I mean, as long as it can keep my interest. Mm. If they're boring, then they're done. Yeah. And unfortunately, you thought one of the ones that I really liked was boring, which made me sad. But, yeah, but you know. I, I liked it enough to, um, like, come back to it. Well, and you and you went to that guy's other books. We're talking yeah. about uh, The Buried Age by Christopher, Christopher Bennett. Christopher L. Bennett. I'm looking at his name right now. I loved that book. Matt was not as crazy about it, but you are enjoying the uh, Department of Temporal Investigations. Ones, yeah, I liked correct? the first one. It slowed down a lot mm. um, when you... When, they decided to give it a huge cast and get away from the, you know, two guys I actually want to read about. Right. And whenever they did that, I got bored, but the rest of the time, it's really good. The second book they did the focuses a lot on the Enterprise crew. Yeah. Like the original Enterprise crew, Kirk and Spock and Bones. Yeah. And then it flashes back to, to what is it, Luxley and Dulmer. Mm-hmm. I think... And if you're like if you're like me and extremely, like, anal about, what, about stuff tying together, they're really fascinating. I like stuff tying together, but this at times felt almost well-actually. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like, well, well, this has to be this way, or it doesn't work scientifically. I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't bother me in this case, just because I find that kind of shit fascinating. I find it fascinating when you say two characters lived on the same planet, and I'd like to know what you know if they ever met or if they knew about each other, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I really don't care scientifically if time travel is possible, if you slingshot around the sun, or if you have to make up a reason for it not to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, stuff like that. I really don't care about. But let me ask you, mm-hmm. like I say, as the as the expert between the two of us on the books, do they ever deal with what goes on in Earth's solar system? Do they ever tell you what goes on on Pluto or Saturn or whatever? I'm sure it's come up. Mm. Like, I'm sure they talked about um, what was on Pluto before it got eaten by a giant Borg ship. Mm. But, like, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think it's just colonies. See, I've always I wondered. Mean, pr- they terraformed Mars. I right. know that. Yeah, and there's a shipyard there. They've mentioned that yeah. in the show. I've always kind of wondered about that, though. What happened, you know, presumably, well, I don't know. I guess with First Contact, we just got warp. Mm-hmm. We didn't spread out into the solar system first. Most of the sort of hard sci-fi that I enjoy involves us terraforming the solar system before we spread out and, and discover interstellar travel. And I'm just wondering if Star Trek has anything about what goes on on the other planets. Yeah, not that I can think of. I mean... Logically, they would just, you know, most of them would become, like, just extensions of Earth. Well, right. But it would be cool. And I mean, depending on how well your transporters work, you could, like, you know, easily get to them, too. Well, and that's what Scotty was saying in, in the 2009 movie was he was trying to test beaming something from one planet to the other. <laughs> which is easy, by the way. Which is easy, by the way. But this would be like <laughs> trying to hit a bullet with another <laughs> bullet whilst riding a horse blindfolded. <laughs> I love that movie, and I'm going to go watch it now. Yep. I, I am not shocked. But his whole thing was, you know, you can beam something to an adjacent planet, so surely, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know that I'd be comfortable doing that. I mean, like, transporters have a range. We know that. Yeah. 
That's why you can't just beam across the universe. But, like, I can't imagine beaming across our solar system is that difficult. I suppose. Do you think... Or even just, like, out to Mars. That's not far. Do you think people on Earth have access to transporters? Just, like, casually? Like, uh... Absolutely. Like, I assume that's how they, you know, I assume that's replaced mass transit on on Earth at that point. Well, sure. But, I I mean... mean, you know, you can work in... One of the... One of the... My beliefs has been going back to when I was a kid about Star Trek is... If you're working on Earth, like, if, if you live on Earth, you can friggin' work in, like, Japan and live in America and mm-hmm. just go to work easy every morning. Well, I, I would think that, yeah. But, I don't know, I mean, we've only been on Earth a few times mm-hmm. in the sort of next-gen modern, you know, yeah. 24th century continuity, let's say. Um, We saw Picard's family, who obviously mm-hmm. chooses to live sort of, you know, in the past, in the traditional... In the Picard manner. Yeah. And, and you know, I get that. I get if you've got a vineyard in in France, you kind of want to keep the old ways going. And they were they were even antiquated by our standards. But I yep. I get that. But then we saw Cisco's dad, who had a restaurant, didn't seem all that opposed to technology. But I don't think he beamed anywhere either. You might not be able to do it locally. Hmm. Maybe like uh, maybe like transport stations. Yeah, maybe it's like airports. Maybe they replaced airports. Yeah, where you have to go somewhere to actually beam. That could be. I don't know. Or as I remember, he was kind of a bones type. Kind of crotchety. I don't trust mm. those transporters. I don't. Oh. I don't remember. I love that guy though. Yeah, he was awesome. That character was probably the best. Like, let's flesh out their family and see what they're like. And they one of the best ones, I think. I don't know. I've still read the technical. I've read all the technical <laughs> journals. It's still my favorite. Oh, he's pretty great too. Yeah. Um, but we don't really know. Like, I, I was always curious about even the this the closer systems, Alpha Centauri and stuff like that. Like, we mm-hmm. always deal with, with Vulcan, with, you know, the Klingons, whatever. But I'm really curious what the Earth people get up to. Not day-to-day. No. But kind of what Earth and surrounding areas in the 24th century are like. And it sounds like they don't really talk about that. No, not... Well, I mean, I guess the idea is, you know, mm. we're supposed to be seeking out new life and new civilization, not the old life. Right. Well, that's that's a fair point. Which is someone who has... Argued about us going to places we've been thousands of times before, you should, you know, be pretty okay with. No, I'm totally fine with that. I'm just curious in, you know, in the Star Trek universe, if you're going to explore... If you're going to go into what happened to Worf's brother after that one episode... Mm -hmm. Like, that's the point of the books, is to go into detail about crap that the TV shows don't think are that important. Right. Crap that doesn't matter. (laughs) No, exactly. Well, the thing now I'm thinking is the reason they're okay with killing off characters is, well... There's clearly not going to be any movies about anything else. Yeah. If they do a TV series, it's probably not going to be set in this time. Now we can just fucking kill off Riker if we want. Yeah, basically. I mean, I hope they don't. But on the other hand... Well, he's, I, I kind of doubt it. He's got the Titan books. Right. But, I mean, you could kill off any of those original guys if you wanted. Yeah. Because it wouldn't matter. It's not like... Like, I assume they tried to stay in line with what they thought would happen in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And now they're well, I mean, worry it's about like anything. You're beholden to the source material. Sure. So you don't want to fuck yourself over too badly mm-hmm. or else you're just going to... Well, you know, be stuck with, you know, you're going to be up a, sh- up a creek when uh, yeah, but they relaunch everything. But, at, you know, at this point, you know, who gives a shit? Well, I mean, the Star Wars movies are in real trouble with that because all of those take place after Return of the Jedi. And they thought they'd never make more movies. And now yeah. they're cranking and that I machine up again. I dare you to find anything that hasn't been extensively talked about in an extended Star Wars universe book. Well, and, you know, these are the things we're familiar with. But I know there are other fan things that this happens in as well. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, when I used to go into a store, and this happens less now because I I don't go to a lot of bookstores, 
right. but I would always walk to the end of the sci-fi aisle to look at the, you know, the licensed fiction, and there'd be Star Wars and Star Trek and the others I didn't care about. But I knew there were right. others. I just don't remember what they are because I didn't care about them. Right. Um, but as <laughs> mentioning Star Wars, I suppose we should get this out of the way. Oh, yeah. People have been asking. As we record this, it is old news to you now because it's three weeks later. As we record this, the news that J.J. Abrams has been picked to, to direct Star Wars Episode Seven is still only a couple of days old. Mm. Um, and people have asked us what we think, being as we are huge fans of his, his work on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, I'm going to go with it as, you know, early good news. Mm. Like, I mean, I was never, I'm, I'm not nearly the Star Wars guy that I am the Star Trek guy. In fact, I don't actually care for Star Wars that much anymore, mm -hmm. but, um, I am completely open. I mean, I've seen all, I saw all three of the prequels mm -hmm. in theater and I will definitely go to this sure. when it comes out. Um, I think J.D. Abrams is a decent choice to be the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the writer they got, who I can't remember the name of, but I believe he did Toy Story 3. He did Toy Story uh, 3 and a bunch of other stuff that doesn't seem quite close to the genre, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I've looked at the list of stuff he has done, and, you know, it all looks pretty good. So, I mean, I'm, I am tentatively interested in being mm -hmm. excited about it. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you know, really fucking early. I'll, I'll see it when it comes out. Yeah. My official position is don't ask. I don't have an opinion. Mm. I refuse to have... At, look, I will never forget the fake Star Trek, you know, clusterfuck. Debacle of 09. Yeah, I, I messed up. I don't know what I think. I like Star Wars. I am, as a kid who was born in the 70s, one of those people that just Star Wars is a key part of my life. I am one of the few people who didn't hate the prequels. I don't want to get into that. I think we actually did that on a SV mm. a long time ago. Yeah, those are, those those records have been sealed now. True. I just I and please don't write in and say how could you like them. It's it's what I like. Shut up. I'm, and this yeah. show isn't about Star Wars. Uh, I like Abrams. I also don't. I don't know. I think if he's doing that now and not the the third Star Trek movie, I think as long as they keep the writing team, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. As long as they don't throw somebody like Michael Bay in there or, you know, yes. somebody with a horrible visual style. If you throw a decent director in there and this writing team, it'll be fine. Yeah. And that's, to me, the only way that it impacts Star Trek. So that's really, you know, all I care to talk about. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Getting back to genocide, though, mm -hmm. as we were, I, I still can't think of other. There must have been other guys. Oh, I'm sure that. Well, Khan. Khan. Yeah. But we don't really know what he got up to. No, I mean, he killed a lot of people, but he never left Earth. But we never really heard. They sort of glossed over that. I kind of did, I guess. In the eugenics wars, there were tyrants. We really knew that eugenics was bad, and these were bad dudes who got yeah. sent away. I mean, when he first shows up, I guess they try, were trying to make him, you know, kind of a sympathetic character. Mm. Yeah, until we found out what he was all about, sure. Yeah, and then, you know, Wrath of Khan's not really about that. Right. Wrath of Khan's more, you know, personal. Right. No, that's about revenge and not about, you know, at this point, it doesn't matter where he came from. Yeah. And I, I don't really, I mean, I'm sh I know there's been books about it. And Yeah, there's two Rise and Fall of Khan books, I think, mm -hmm. by Greg Cox, who I hear is an excellent Trek writer, but I mean, I've, I haven't read any of his stuff. I have, un I, I'm led to understand that they are specifically about the eugenics wars and not about, you know. The mm -hmm. 23rd or 24th century. Like it's the about... eugenics wars, which apparently secretly took place in 1993 now. Well, again, that's one of those retro things they had to explain because, Ugh. you know. Well, you just said you like that stuff. 
I just don't. I, I just don't think that you know Star Trek needs to keep being like in line with our like our the real world. No, they should just say this takes place in an alternate universe. Who cares? Yeah. Like all fiction. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Mm-hmm. But you know, nerds. Unfortunately, I do. Yeah, we we know ourselves. Yeah. We try. We really try to distance ourselves, but we're you know, we're in the same boat. Just don't tell us how the boat works, because we don't care. <laughs> Uh, oh, and speaking of people who like to exhaustively tell us how things work, mm-hmm. here's one from our pal Brian. <laughs> Dearest darling post-atomic horror, in Disaster, Dr. Crusher attempted to peer pressure Geordi into playing Major General Stanley in the Pirates of Penzance, despite his lack of interest, enthusiasm, or talent. She does this because she insists he is perfect for the part. While this bullying behavior makes her a bad friend, I thought you may want to confirm that she is also a bad director. Because of the entire Gilbert and Sullivan oeuvre, there is no role Geordi is worse suited for than that one. Even if he had the enthusiasm of a labradoodle and was head of the Starfleet Academy whiffin' poofs, he could play Samuel, maybe. The very model of a model podcast listener, Brian. Incidentally, he sang that song, I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General, in uh, our karaoke event that mm-hmm. we do before Emerald City every year. Last year, he we all got up there and sang our favorite rock songs, or in a couple of cases, our favorite comedy songs. And he got up there and did a did a musical, mm-hmm. which I thought was... And it was amazing. Yeah, he did a great job of it. That is a fast song with a lot of weird shit happening, and he, yep. he kept up and he did it all. And just a strange choice is all. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Strange choice. I says, P.F., this is what a whiff and poof is. I bet those guys get laid like crazy. I think I knew that from a John Hodgman book, but I will provide the link. Well, if anyone knows what a whiff and poof is, who isn't Brian? It's people who went to, I think it's Yale. Whatever Ivy League university they come from. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a secret society like Skull and Bones, but I think it's one of those, you can only be one of these if you go to this school. Mm -hmm. We talked about this recently, about my thought that Beverly is bad at this. Oh, totally. I think that's hilarious. I agree. I don't know. I love that she's got the passion for it, but she's terrible at it. Yeah. She's like, well, I'm the dancer doctor. I might as well get into other arts as well. Well, Mm -hmm. you're not good at them. Also, I got to say, it says something if you're doing plays on the Enterprise that Picard will not be in. Yeah. On the other hand, I think we've established that Picard is not a good actor. Yes. Which I find hilarious. Absolutely. And must have been a deliberate meta thing. Because <laughs> everyone goes on and on and on about how great an actor our lead is. Mm-hmm. Let's make him a terrible actor in the show. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And the only time we've really seen that whole Shakespeare thing is when he was sort of uh, coaching Data. Yeah. And that was more about the context of, of the play than uh, than about, you know, acting. Mm. You know, Data, Shakespeare is really quite awesome. Yeah. I'm Captain Picard. Yes, you are. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm aware, Captain. Now, let me ask you this. If we get our dream scenario and we do get to speak to Sir Patrick Stewart, you're not going to say that, right? It'll depend on how drunk I am from the night before. You're not going to be drunk at our panel. Probably not, unless Cat Patrick Stewart shows up. Well, that's true. Excuse me, Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. Knight of the Realm, Killer of Dragons. I may ask him if he slayed the dragon, though. Yeah. I think he's got, a, a like, a year or two on that. I think we've talked about mm-hmm. that before. I think, I think they give you some time. That's why Terry Pratchett forged that sword. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Beverly is meant to be bad at this. I don't even think the writers are mistaken. I think it's a deliberate choice to make her just not very good at it, which is funny to me. Mm-hmm. 
and and I really like. I never it, this never occurred to me before, but now I think <laughs> this is how I will always see her. A few weeks ago, when we had Amanda on, and we talked about do, her doing all the lame mom things, like having a glass of wine and reading <laughs> Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey, fuzzy jammies, yeah. her box wine. Right. And like taking a, doing Zumba, which I've since discovered every woman I know does. Even Amanda, who is the least person like that you would expect. Yep, it's it's a cult apparently. Mm-hmm. I, but I imagine her going with whatever fitness, you know, like Pilates or Jazzercise, like going further back. There must be some twenty fourth century equivalent of that. Yeah, I just I imagine she gets into all that. It's crap. pressing your vagina against Counselor Troy's. Uh, somebody well actually does on that and said, "Well, that didn't happen." They were just near each other. Yeah, thanks. Comedy mm. show. I, I guess people are confused by when we stretch the truth. But was he? Was he? This per- person is clearly not aware that uh, in my in my mind is also canon. It's canon. The thing is, it's post atomic horror canon, which mm-hmm. is a separate canon from Star Trek, but it exists parallel to it. It's yes, like, and it takes place on Earth. Uh, yes, it's it's sort of like the new movie continuity, mm-hmm. in that similar stories are being told, but they're being embellished. Because it's more interesting to us. Yeah. Like uh, Worf beating his kid. Which has yeah. apparently turned into a horrible running joke that uh, I, I may not love. <laughs> or I secretly love but have to pretend I don't. I think that's it. I think that's the one. I have no such problems. No, you invented it. Of yep. course you have no such problems. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Scott Zioko says, I know you won't get to this until the bonus episode, but that's fine. Dear pals. <laughs> I actually kind of like that. Yeah, that's not terrible. Uh, did you suspect you would hate Troy's character this much when you started watching Next Gen? Seems of the entire cast, she's become the most disappointing. Thanks and love the show. Well, thank you, Scott. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I remember liking her, and it might be because she has some decent stuff coming up, or it might just be yep. that we've forgotten. I remember I mean, I, li- I remember liking pretty much everyone on, the, on this show. Yeah. I I no. remember being, you know, a little more bored by Beverly episodes than by Geordie episodes, let's say. Mm-hmm. But, no, I like I like the whole ensemble, as I recall. I remember having a huge crush on her. Really? A crush on Crusher? No, on Troy. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Whew. I Ew, God, no. No, I, I think Ugh. she's cute, but I just didn't like the pun, is all. No, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, it is, but you know. See, that's not a pun. That's just doing that thing where you use the same word twice in one sentence, and I hate that. Oh well, now now yeah. I'm going to do that to you all the time. You do that. <laughs> I, you know, and I actually think we're going to discuss this sort of thing in the supplemental that follows. I hate to cop out mm-hmm. on you, but we're going to sort of go over our impressions, sort of midway through the series, what our expectations were, what we think overall, and I, I think we'll discuss that more. I will say, speaking to that, like the original series, a lot of our initial impressions ended up being incorrect, which is, yeah. it's good. I like, mm-hmm. I like learning as we go instead of saying, nope. This yeah. Is... I mean, we certainly did that with the original yeah, series. We liked that way more than we thought we would. And uh, Wesley's another good example. They told yep. a lot of good Wesley stories or not terrible ones, let's say. As recently as last week. Yeah. Uh, this was like two weeks ago or something. But uh, yeah. as, as recently as whenever that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Doing these out of order is all fucked up, but yes, we did that not too long ago. Yeah, that was that was a great episode. Unfortunately, the next one, if I, I don't know if he has one in season six, but I don't think he shows up again until until uh, Space Indian. Yeah. I'd like to think he had one more, and I can. I mean, he technically has a cameo in Nemesis, if you want to count that. No, I don't. 
I mean, I, yeah, it's canon. I don't want to count Nemesis at all, frankly. But but I'm saying he just showed. I don't even think he had a speaking part. I think no. he was just there at their wedding. No, well, he did, but they cut yeah, it. Yeah, that doesn't count. Like that, in in the sense of there was no story about him, it mm. doesn't count. But I am stalling while I dial up Memory Alpha so I can see. I I have a fairly for some stupid reason, a fairly comprehensive knowledge of what episode came in what season. I'm occasionally wrong, but... Yeah, I'm always impressed by that. You can just do that offhand. It's because... We've talked about this. It's because you and I both read a lot of the uh, chronologies and encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. And a lot of episodes stick in my head because I thought they were relevant. I thought, oh, this must be an important thing. Nope. And now it's like, no, it's not. Like, um... Remember when we thought Skin of Evil was a big yeah, deal? Yeah, I totally thought that when I read the chronology. Like, ooh, major character died. Yeah, that sucked. No. So, uh... Terrible fucking episode. Short answer to your question, Scott. No, we did not think we would hate her that much. Long answer, check out uh, Supplemental 12. We will we will go yeah. into this in much greater detail. Uh, so, our final email is from... Oh, I'm sorry. Our, our penultimate email is from Deke Winsome, who has uh, been list uh, a long-time listener of the other show, and I... I wasn't sure if I was even aware he was a listener of this show, but uh, we like Deke. He wrote us a two- or three-page email that I was hoping he could come join us and discuss. We're not going to read this. Uh, at some point in the future, a supplemental episode will be devoted to this discussion, because it's really interesting, mm -hmm. and he brings up a lot of good points. But I'd much rather bring up these points in a conversation than read someone else's email you know, that's, that's basically like a, a a master's dissertation on what he thinks. Yes. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll pass on this for now. But Deke... Yeah, no, we appreciate the the letter, Deke. We really want to talk about this with you. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't want to read for... <laughs> well, I just don't want to... About four hours. I don't want to read off somebody else's... You know, it's it's clearly a well-thought-out rant. And mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem right to, you know, it'd be like me reading your synopsis. It's it's just wrong, man. Yep. It's like, oh, that's mine. You can't do that. So, you know, Deke will be joining us at some point and we'll discuss this. Yeah. Um, Our actual final letter, I forgot we got this recently, uh, is from our pal Duncan Bosco, who does voice work for us on uh, Sarcastic Voyage uh, and is related to uh, regular guest Mark Bosco. And he mm -hmm. says, Dear Alan Matt. What's up with all the Quantum Leap hate, guys? Is it just because you don't like Scott Bakula, or what? Some of those episodes were really good and actually delivered a hard-hitting message or a really intriguing idea with great social commentary. Episodes like The Color of Truth, A Leap for Lisa, MIA, Lee Harvey Oswald, Freedom, etc. all have excellent writing and deal with subjects like racism, discrimination, the effects of the Vietnam War, etc. Uh, it's true it wasn't always a perfect show. I admit some of the episodes were just stupid and the overall ending of the series was horrible, uh, but does make sense. It's actually a pretty good show. So what did it do to scorn you? Oh boy, Duncan. And there's a <clears throat> tilde at the end. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm assuming it's... Oh no! Yeah. Uh, you want to address this, or shall I? Well, first of all, I can say that I've actually never seen... I've seen maybe two episodes of <laughs> I will. I will say I also have. I was hoping you'd... I don't care for Scott Bakula. Yeah, me neither. Mostly because of what he did to Enterprise. <laughs> he knows what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I don't know what little I saw of it. This is a complaint I have made before and will make again. It mm. felt very TV to me. 
We're watching a TV show. It's all on yeah, TV. Yeah, just every episode he goes to a never or to a No, new... what I what I mean by it feels like TV is there's is a certain I don't know if it's a lower standard or a, a lower quality of actor or what, but certain shows to me feel like they're aspiring to be more and certain shows feel like they're just TV shows and that's all they want to be. You understand mm-hmm. what I mean? I think so. Uh, like Babylon 5, that was the big part of why I didn't like it. It probably was written well. But the actors were like soap opera level actors. So I would argue that Babylon 5 was trying to be more than, it, what, than a TV that show. That may be true, but putting aside the production values, which y- you work with what you have. Mm-hmm. I never liked the CG on that show, but I will give them credit for trying to push the envelope. Yeah. The quality of actor on that felt like just like soap opera actors it, to me. It, it felt like they weren't, mm-hmm. you know. Like, whereas Next Gen, for the most part, they have, you know, good actors. With the notable exception of Gates McFadden. <laughs> yes. But you understand what I mean? Like, Oh, Hot Gates. The Hot Gates. But do you understand what I mean? Like, that's how... I think that, so, yeah. I think I get what you're getting it, at. It would be indistinguishable between that show and a sci-fi original show. Mm. I, that's the vibe I got from Quantum Leap. It could be undeserved. It could be entirely wrong. Honestly, the reason I never watched that show is because I don't like the concept of someone jumping into people's bodies. It doesn't make a word of sense to me. No. At all. It's, I, I'm well on the record as preferring hard sci-fi to weird sort of possession-y, dreamy, magic-y, soft mm-hmm. sci-fi. That's all. That's really the only reason. I, mostly, it's funny. It's funny to do a Star Trek show and to treat other sci-fi shows as punchlines. Yes. I feel like we're, we're creating a turf war. I'm sure, I'm sure Stargate and Farscape <laughs> also have... Uh, good points, but that doesn't mean I won't stop mocking them. We have chosen... Especially Stargate. We have chosen to ally ourselves with a Doctor Who podcast. Everyone else is our enemy, as far as I'm yep. concerned. We, uh, we we are dead set against... Uh, and, and, and by that logic, we should be against Battlestar Galactica as well. We liked it, but well, that's... bullshit. I fucking love no, Battlestar No, 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 no. That's beside the point. We're still against it. You can, you can like it ah. all you want. I liked it all you want. But our official position... Is that Doctor Who is the only non-Star Trek show that we we can endorse? All, All the right. rest are our enemies. I don't know why. It just it makes it amuses me to think that the show has an official position and will fight some weird sort of nerd East Coast West Coast beef about stupid sci-fi shows. That being said, Duncan, if you make a quant or a, a Quantum Leap podcast, I will listen. Oh to yeah, it. and you know we'll we'll probably do a crossover if you keep up with it for a while. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. As long as it doesn't involve us having to actually watch Quantum Leap. Yeah, because we hate it. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think my... And we have really good reasons for I it, think, too, but we won't tell I you about it. I think my wife hated it. So I think I married into hating it. So that's that's mm. my excuse. Or or not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it works. That's all the mail we have. We want to... But is it all the time? No, it's have? not. See? Excellent. I usually say that. But I'm keeping it loose. <laughs> I even brought that back from earlier in the show. I bet you forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to briefly talk about our impressions of season five because typically at the end of the season we try to kind of wrap things up and take a look back and and so forth. Uh, what what would you say, Matt? I mean, I know it's hard. You know, again, you don't have that ridiculous OCD Rain Man, you know, retention of what comes in what season. But I I, I assume you have a vague idea of the last twenty episodes we just did. On the whole, I'd say season five did pretty all right for itself. I have always felt, and I've said this many times, that the show is sort of like a bell curve. It started mm-hmm. really slow, it got great in the middle, and then it sort of trailed off again. I and mean, this is mm-hmm. this is squarely in that peak, I think. 
Season three started getting really good. Season four was fucking fantastic, and we're still in that range. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, for every Darmok and uh, the first duty, we also mm-hmm. have Silicon Avatar and Imaginary Friend. Yep. Like, there's there were some stinkers this year. I'm looking at the list right now, and... You know, I think we've got more good stuff than bad stuff. Oh, we definitely have more good than bad. I'm also looking at the list. Mm. Uh, Darmok, Ensign Row, Disaster. Yep. The game the game, was good. A Matter of Time, New Ground. Yeah, there's a lot of really good ones mm-hmm. in here. Hero Worship. Yeah. There, there's really only a handful that I did not like. Mm-hmm. But there are way more good. And the thing is, the ones I liked were, like, classics. Were, like, total, you know, Darmok, as I said at the time, was one of the very best next gen episodes ever. Absolutely. And uh, we we met Edson Rowe, who was one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Disaster was a fantastic point for Picard character wise. Like there's a lot of good stuff. Yep. This is the season we've said before that really felt like they were trying to round out the cast. We got Ensign Rowe, we got Alexander, we got Nurse Ogawa. Mm-hmm. They were doing the, the Chief O'Brien thing more. Yeah. And we really liked that. And the episodes that, from your perspective, we did last week, Iborg and The Next Phase, are two of the very best. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, as we record this, we haven't actually seen them yet. No, and by the rules of this podcast, we're not allowed to watch them yet. Right. No, it's it's our next recording. Yes. We can do that to prep. Uh, and, and, of course, the episode we're doing, the particular episode we're doing at the con, The Inner Light, is, like, when we get to the end and we do our top five, that might be in there. Yep. That is, as far as Picard episodes go, apart from Tapestry, maybe the very best yeah. one. Time Zero, not so much. Time Zero Part 1, I actually like. It's one because of those of Part 2 things. Mark Twain? Yeah. It sets up a really cool mystery, and and we don't really explore the stupid, terrible payoff to that mystery until Part 2. And first time uh, the TNG crew will actually have time traveled. We need to do that research before the live show. I think that is true, but I want to be sure. Yeah. Before we say that, we need Patrick Stewart at the back of the room going, "Uh, actually, we time traveled (laughs) three years earlier. You know, if you were a good podcast, you would have known that. (laughs) Oh, no, we've disappointed Captain Picard. (laughs) I was going to come on and be a part of your show, but now I'm going to see what that other podcast down down the way is doing. Goodbye. Oh, no. Fuck him. We lost. (laughs) We lost him to that X-Men podcast. (laughs) Well, at least they're talking about him as well. So that's good. Um, so yeah, overall, like, I mean, overall impressions of season five. <sighs> Troy still sucks. Yeah. At Crusher's this point, gotten that's a little better. Unexpected, though. No. But Crusher's we did get gotten a, a little better. good female character. We did. Uh, Guinan was gone most of the season, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I think she only Another showed up good. maybe twice. Well, she showed up, like, she came back in uh, Imaginary Friend, and she was about the only good thing in that episode. Yeah. And then she was a main character in I Borg. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, rather than being a Riker and Picard episode, it was a Picard and Guinan episode. Yeah. Which is nice. But, um, yeah, I think she was off filming Ghost Oh, and, and she was a big part of Time's Arrow. Oh, right, right, right. That may be part two. It's nice that she was gone for a while and they said, oh, well, now that she's back, let's make her a bigger part of the show to make up yeah, for it. come back and do something awesome. Yeah, instead of having, you know, your obligatory one scene every week where someone comes and cries on your shoulder and 10 forward, let's actually do some stuff about you. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Uh, we've seen very little of Chief O'Brien this season. Yeah, again, I think that's because they were getting ready to move him off to uh, DS9. Uh, that, that could be. He is a very hard-working character actor as well. Yep. 
So it's possible he was off filming 30 movies in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Because as I recall, he was a pretty big part of the, uh, the the Irish film scene. And I'm sure he did stuff over here, too. Yep. But there's a movie in particular that I saw in the early 90s called The Commitments about a uh, and, and a bunch of really, really white Irish kids trying to make a soul band. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was a decent movie, good soundtrack, and he played the dad in that. Huh. And my understanding is he did a lot of playing the dad in Irish movies. <laughs> I'm the dad of half the people in Ireland. Yep. Which, who knows, he could be. I'm Irish, I'm Irish Cav's dad. <laughs> I would love that. I'm sure he would, too. Yeah, undoubtedly. I they could be getting him ready for Deep Space Nine. I don't know, but I'm I'm looking at the list here, and I think Disaster, where he was on the bridge with Ensign Rowe and Troy, I think was that's the last time I remember seeing power it. play. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But the, it was, I guess, the sort of the second half of the season we yeah. didn't see him, which is too bad. Uh, and of course, this season, last time we get to see Sela, so that's good. Yeah, thank God for that. Yeah. Goodbye uh, forever. <laughs> But that's pretty much it. I thought we'd have more to discuss, but really, this is the show sort of at its peak. Mm-hmm. Getting a lot of really good stuff, and uh, going into season six, we'll still have some good stuff. Yeah. And one of those there's things... Still, with... I mean, there's still some pretty great episodes. Oh, there absolutely is. I mean, there's even but... some great stuff in uh, in uh, season seven. Here's the thing. A lot. I could be, that could be one of those things I'm completely wrong about again. Mm-hmm. I will absolutely concede I've been bad-mouthing season seven the whole time, yep. and I'm entirely wrong. But looking over the list, no, I'm not. Well, and I mean, remember what happened when we got into season three of original series? We thought we were doing really well for a while. Yeah, they hit it strong, and then, nope. Well, I mean, season seven of, of Next Gen starts with Lore's Magic Castle. So they're already on the you say that I, wanna, I keep hearing Lore's Magic Asshole. <laughs> they did that joke on Arrested Development. They did. That's why I figured you'd enjoy it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. I, th- I think that's all we have to say about that. All right. Though. And I think this is uh, this is enough for a... Uh, <laughs> we've done the bare minimum. Yeah. We're doing two of these. Uh, so you'll be hearing that next week, actually. The, we're we're going to do sort of a mid-season assessment of Next Gen so far. Pretty much we're doing a giant good thing, bad thing. Yeah. About the first five years of the show. So look forward to that next week. And this week's awesome cover art done, as always, by Vishal Bardwaj, who has committed himself to doing all our supplemental covers in the wonderful uh, running joke magazine style. And you should take a, a closer look at those. I think he's been doing them since, like, supplemental three or four. Yep. And there's so many great running gags in there, little armist jokes. I little, love just... the armist jokes. I was looking. I was at, up at your place this weekend, mm. and uh, I was looking at them on your wall, and I noticed for the first time all the little armist gags in the corner. Yeah, that's the Hilarious. thing. Hilarious. If you don't look at these together, you don't realize that there's running jokes and weird wordplay. And he he puts a lot of work in not only to the art, but into thinking up the concepts and really writing, yep. if anything. And they're they're worth looking at. Yep. And that guy, everything he's done for us is fantastic, particularly on this show. Yeah, dude is, as always, a miracle worker. Yeah. And now that we've worked out some technical issues that we had, we'll be joining us again as a guest. Excellent. Which is exciting because he's got some, some cool ideas about Star Trek and doesn't always agree with us, mm-hmm. which is always nice. Um, so apart from that, uh, you know about our panel. Please go to it. Yes. Uh, email is postatomichorror at gmail. Voicemail is 206-973-3982. Website is postatomichorror.com. I do this on the show now because nobody listens to the credits. Yeah. They just, oh, the show's over. Click. (laughs) So that's why Dave says one thing and now I tell you what you need to know here. Because you listen to me. 
You should really listen to Dave. He's got the better voice. Yeah, and he tries. He tries so hard. And he succeeds, mm-hmm. in fairness. I will say, though, as much as I love him and have loved him most of my adult life, uh, if Patrick Stewart volunteered to be our voice guy, sorry, Dave. Yeah. There's the door. Hopefully the prop guys won't uh, forget to open it so it smacks you in the face as you leave. My hope is to get him as a reoccurring character on Nick and Willikins. Oh, man. Well, now I want that. Mm. You can play I Willikins' as uncle. Uncle Willikins. <laughs> I think now that you've just filled me with sadness and disappointment, it's time to say see you, folks, yep. Matt. See you, folks. No, I'm saying it. We're switching it up. You're all loosey-goosey. Yep. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.